My name is Denisha Merriweather, and I'm very, very excited to do another Black-Owned Schools tour. And this time, we're in my backyard at the state of Florida um, with Miss Iman with the Kind Academy Micro School. And so, Miss Iman, thank you so much for being a part. And most importantly, thanks so much for educating our babies and making sure that there are more high-quality school options out in the ether. Uh, so let's hop right in. Tell me a little bit about your education background and what brought you to the field of education. So, yeah, um, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity just to get started. Um, my name is Iman Aline of Kind Academy, like you said. Uh, my educational background. So I really was like always that kid. And I always say this, like I was that kid that everyone knew, like just bring the kids to when I was a kid. Um, so education was already ready, like just a normal part of what I did. I was the babysitter. I always loved the kids. I always loved big groups of kids and being around them. Um, and then even like as a teenager, it was always, I was always the babysitter. Um, so started working in preschools and things like that as I got older um, and then kind of went away from it. And then came down to Florida and everyone was in college. And I really wanted to go to college at that point. And I was like, okay, let me try this out. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I uh, had a baby. And once I had him, I was like, oh, okay, I know what we're going to do. I'm going to be a teacher so I can have summers off so we can, you know what I mean, hang out together and have these breaks and, you know, I can like pick them up from school at the same time. So I had all these dreams. Um, so I got my master's in school counseling. Um, and then I noticed while I was in a counseling, in my counseling field, that I always spoke with students who were special needs. And I was like, well, I might as well get certified in special education. So I got dual certified up to 12th grade in special education, guidance and counseling. And then I love the babies under sixth grade. So I added in K to five. So now I have triple certified in the state of Florida for those three different areas. And I have my master's in school counseling. So a little that's a little bit about my education. Like I wow. love teaching in schools and have taught in schools over the years, but then kind of was like, you know, <laughs> that's yeah. probably another question. So I'll wait for that. No, go ahead. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, no. So my son was like, so I had this big dream of like him coming to school and like me dropping him off to a teacher and being like, yay, I'll see you later. Mm -hmm. um, and his first day of school, he was like two years old. He was like, no. And I was like, okay, he'll grow out of it. He was like three. No. <laughs> like, hate school, mom. Can't go. Four. Hate school. And it was like serious. And I think like yeah. it's come up in news articles at this point where he was really like, like school is killing me. Like I'm going yeah. to die. Like if I have to go to school every day, mom. And he was like four and he was like talking these really, saying these really big things about big emotions. And it wasn't just school anxiety. It was like, I really, like, I feel like my soul is like just not meant for this. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I guess we're going to try this homeschool thing. I have an educational background and um, soon other parents started asking me for, to educate their child or to at least do little classes so started doing that um, and it just kind of blossomed into what we have today called Kind Academy. So wait, let me, so you at your son's three and he's hating, this is like daycare, right? Right, like right. Pre-K, K3 right. maybe. And right. he's in school already. And so you say, okay, I'm going to homeschool you. That's what right. you were calling it then. Yeah. And yeah, more yeah. parents were like, can you do this from, with my kid? Pretty much. Awesome. Yep. So you were micro schooling before the term was around. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like when that blew up, even pods, I was like, a pod? Like, you mean a micro school? And even then it was like, it was more just like, I don't even know what we, a co-op. We probably had what you call 
Back mm -hmm. then we called it just a drop off co-op. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely before it became like this big normal thing. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so when was Mind Academy founded? So when did you found it? <sighs> I mean, like on like on paper, it says 2016, I think. But in all reality, since like 2012, 13, we had like groups and classes and outdoor nature things. And um, but like um, officially, I would say 2016 was the day that we were like, OK, let's do this. It was July of 2016. Um, so that's kind of like the real deal right there. But yeah. um, it's been, I think, in our heart for a long time. <laughs> Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about your model and how you approach education, because I am such a I, you can't see me in my background, but I have plants all throughout my house. I, I see am, a little bit of snake plant back there. Yeah, <laughs> I have one over here on my wall. I love it. I have so many plants in just in my house. I'm living in the jungle. So talk to I was very intrigued by your model. Talk to me a little bit about just your background with that. So, yeah. So, um, so the big thing is that I have three boys, so I haven't said that I have three sons. Um, and that's just a wild and crazy house. I mean, not, you know what yeah. I mean? Like <laughs> it was just like, like to keep my mind, to keep my mind frame like normal. And I, it like saved my sanity. The only thing that really helped was being outside. Like I literally was like, we're not going to, we're just not going to go home because the moment we're home, it's a mess. So let's just go outside where you guys can make a mess and I don't have to be stressed out about it. So Good that just became, Right. And I tell people, I tell moms all the time, I'm like, just don't go home. Like, it's like, all we did was come, we left like at eight and we didn't come home to like four in the afternoon. Like we'd spend all day outside and like, you're not allowed inside um, until dinner time, pretty much. Um, and I knew that that worked for a lot of kids, like even in special, you know what I mean? When I was teaching special ed, it was like, let's go outside and learn. Like, why not? Like, why are we trapped in this classroom without windows, which is what it was for us. When we could be outside, it just naturally, immediately children just picked up. And even though they wanted to play, it still was just such a more, they were so much more engaged. They were so much more creative. They were still so much more focused, even with the playground in the background. So it just made sense to me to say, let's just take our classes outside. So we became basically a, a nature school. We became the first nature school in South Florida, basically in Broward, actually, um, in Broward County. We became the first nature like program that really worked with kids and focused on them building skill sets outside. Um, so now we had this nature class that moms came to. We talked about connection. We did community building. We did engaging with nature. And my big thing was, hey, if they really like nature, like when they get older, they're going to want to take care of it. And yeah. like. I still get parents that are like, my kid still loves nature so much. And they're like fighting against this. And this is like seven years ago. Like my kid is yeah. like a true, like, you know, warrior for nature and keeping it intact. I'm like, you know, cause they remember from class, like how much they fell in love with it then. So, um, so that's a big part of our mindset. And it's a big part of our whole curriculum model. Like we, every, every Tuesday we have a nature day where we do either like a nature craft or take a nature walk and everybody collects things and does things with nature. So they get that hands-on kind of experience mm -hmm. with it. Mm -hmm. What's your hope for students? Oh man, <laughs> I have so many. I really, I think my biggest thing is like, I just want them to be happy. And I think that's like the last thing that so many people say. And it's like, I really just want them to find their passion. Today, I taught an entrepreneurship class for the first time, which was like super exciting. Like anytime you teach, it doesn't matter how many times I teach, I get anxious about it. Like, oh my gosh, what if the kids? Yeah. But man, like 
these kids came up with so many like amazing ideas of things they want to do. And mm. I was like, nobody ever asked them that. Like everyone's like, you need to do math. You need to do this. And if you can't pass this, then you can't. And I'm just like, listen, like get through it, do your very best. I want you to, but I really just want you to grow up and find a way to be happy with no matter what you choose to do. Like, yeah. that's my biggest thing. Yeah. I, I just, and this, this question is not on my list of, of questions, but because I am also, I, identify as a, a nature I love I love just being out what I I often find it interesting that as a in the black community we don't deal a lot with nature like that's not something that's necessarily promoted and there's a lot of trauma that's around it like a lot of trauma of actually like gardening and I've just I've come up with have you have you seen or had that encounter as well or is this something that I'm just like me personally I mean I think so I think culturally there is definitely like this idea of like outside being dirty to some degree like I know that I've like seen people like like they're especially in the beginning of our classes like their child like picks up a stick and they're like no put that down and I'm like it's okay you know what I mean like and then all of a sudden like the parent you know what I mean so they have to kind of like relearn like this is actually not the most horrible thing in the world yeah. and their kids like can pick up so many skills from getting dirty or getting messy and we're all kind of trained to kind of be this kind of, I've seen it in a lot of different cultures, but I do think culturally we're a little bit more specific about making sure that we present ourselves in a certain way or else we would be looked at in a certain way. But that's probably the most to the extent that I see. For me, my gardening skills are, if you mean traumatized, like in the sense that all my plants die, then yes, <laughs> I am traumatized. <laughs> like, that's the truth. Yes, that's the problem. <laughs> I need to do better. I know I'm the nature lady, but when it comes to like plants and things, I got to get, my husband is, is definitely the plant guy though. He could take care of a plant. So guys, um, I give him the plants. Yep. I'll give him what's the your, what's what's some of the day-to-day -day challenges that you face in the actual like operation of running a school that most people probably don't think about? <laughs> the money. Um, I think I always say that too. Like really I'm, I am an educator. Um, so there's two things that come along with that. The A, like, I don't want to deal with money. Like, I don't want to deal with like, mm. you know, like it's payment time and I need, you know what I mean? Like I'm the nice, like I yeah. just want everybody to be happy and I wish I could just run it for free. And and I know that there's ways to do that, but that takes like so much energy and time and money in itself. So the money was a shock to me, like having to deal with like how much things cost. Like, oh my gosh, mm. like, this building is going to cost me a hundred thousand dollars if I want to buy it. That was a thing. Um, and then also the making of the money, like people really expect that educators shouldn't make money. And I, I absolutely, I, there was a time where I agreed with that. And now I disagree with that wholeheartedly. Exactly. Like I think teachers yeah. should make six figures a year. And if they're not, then I, 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 I think that we need to value our teachers yeah. and, um, I think you can love it, but also we should be valued financially. So, yeah. um, people don't understand that, you know, everything that I do, I want my kids to kind of grow up and have money as well. Like, I don't want them to grow up and have this poverty mindset or even live in poverty. Um, the time spent on the back door, the back office things like that's like, oh, my gosh, nobody told me like the admin work was going to be so much. Like, I just want to talk to kids and teach. Yeah. Um, but the admin stuff. Those three things, I think, are the big ones. Money. Oh, so you're saying like there are some the black owned schools are businesses and right. they're like got to have to like operate them like they're they their business. They I do. think some people do miss that point of understanding that schools are businesses. And if we and to your teacher point, like if we esteem other CEOs and presidents and workers 
then if schools are businesses and they still have the same amount of paperwork, same amount of logistics and back end things as other businesses, why not esteem them teachers in the same right. light? Um, right. and, and school it, owners. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Cause it takes a lot of work. And like when we have the next generation of, of students out here, you know, trying to get jobs, we're constantly talking about, Oh, students don't have the skills that they need to get jobs nowadays. Like, well, you need to make sure your teachers are trained right. up, and provided with the, all the resources they need to do it. Absolutely. Uh, what are some <laughs> of the things that motivate you? Because it seems like you, your students are some of their motive. What's some? What's some of the things that keeps you going? Because you know, as you said, it can be it can be challenging and things get in the weeds. But what keeps you going? I think a little bit of all of it, my own children, like knowing that, like, like I get to like build this community for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that that was like the, that was like the ultimate like thing in the beginning, especially, um, but definitely students and their families and just knowing like, I have families that like cry. Like I had no clue what I was going to do before I found your school. Like, yeah. like, and I'm like tearing up, like listening because I I've heard like them, like, I really had no clue what we were going to do. Like we knew we couldn't send them to regular school. They weren't going to, yeah. you know what I mean? I really want them to love learning and we just couldn't get that anywhere else. And we found you and you really made it like so simple. And that makes me like, that gratitude is like, it feeds me. <laughs> like, yeah. um, and it, and it allows me to feed, you know, everyone else, I think too. I mean, in, in Florida, we live in probably, the most, I would say, um, accepting state of school choice options. And especially in the in the Miami-Dade area, you guys are like, I think I, I'm going to butcher the statistic, but a lot of parents are choosing. I'll just say that. Like a right. lot of parents are picking which school environment they want their kids to go to. Um, and why do you think that is like, why do you think so many parents and then even specifically like black parents are just going rampant and saying, okay, flocking to all of these, I would say like non-traditional settings. I mean, oh man. I mean, I think that we know like everyone doesn't function well in the school environment. Like that's not even like a question. Like we know 80% of our students do fine, but we know that 20% don't at minimum. And even that number is probably, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's probably much higher. Um, and I knew that in the classroom. And I think that a lot of parents are seeing that now and seeing that, especially after, I think the pandemic was really like, wait a second, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> like the virtual people would come in the virtual classes and it'd be like, this is what yeah. they're doing. Like, this is, that's what, like, this is what, like, I could do this. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people started realizing like, I could do that. And then I think people of color, I think George Floyd changed a lot of our mindsets about what we wanted our children learning about, which is a big part of what we do with Black history and the decolonizing it. And I think that that was another big thing. Like, it's very, very difficult to decolonize education while being in the public school, like the regular mm -hmm. public school. And having teachers that look like you is a huge deal for people. Um, people started realizing have, my white students are always like, their parents are like, I have no black teachers. I've never had a black teacher. Like my kid has to have a black teacher. So I think that's another big reason, um, why people started flocking to even just black owned schools, but black people in general really want teachers who look like them and who understand and who won't, who will take that curriculum and say like, this is your greatness too. And I want you to see your greatness in it. So I think that's a big part of it for a lot of black, uh, families.
Yeah, I tell people all the time, you know, in the traditional space, there is a I would say, and I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty vocal about my beliefs, so I won't even try right. to like, kind of right. Why? <laughs> but right. um, I tell people all the time, like in the traditional setting, there is this facade of like empowerment where I just want you to be a black teacher and like, yes, be a black teacher. It's right. like actually like true empowerment is to not only like, oh, I want to teach you at a school, but you own in the school. You develop. Right. Oh, we you're muted. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, I lost you. Okay. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. <laughs> Developing the curriculum of the school and actually being the owner from start to finish and not just operating in a system that wasn't designed for you in the first place. Um, and not and doesn't affirm any of your identity or actually pump out successful right. writ large successful right. brown and black students and so um and i i say that all the time and i'll continue to say it because it's my you know hope when i do these you know school tours like you guys are the iteration of what is possible and what is right. um, black owned school founders like who right. are actually out going through the laboring process, trying to raise money and do all that's necessary to educate students. And um, yeah. I just, I applaud you guys. I, every time I do interviews with the Black Owned School founders, I'm just like so energized, like, oh my gosh, this, maybe I shouldn't do this. <laughs> <laughs> you should do it. Oh, no, no, no. Like, no. Everybody, I mean, not everybody. But <laughs> exactly, I, exactly. But no, I think like, no, and I, I like, we need so many, you know what I mean? Like we need that. You know what I mean? Like we really do need, we need educators who were really strong in as educators to take all that strength and be, and, and put it into creating our own and put it into creating schools that are for us and by us. We really do. So I want to encourage as many people. (laughs) And I, I agree. What do you say to those who want to start schools from people who are thinking about this idea? What do you say to them? I said, do it. I mean, honestly, like I, I, I was in the black teachers rock group the other day and everyone was like, oh, so what did you do outside? There's like a black teachers rock group. It's like, oh, a, gotcha. no, yeah, That's sorry. Rock and roll. <laughs> no, it's a Facebook community and <laughs> no, it's a Facebook community and all the teachers were like, you know, what did you, I'm, I'm done with the classroom. What did you do? And I'm like, I started a micro school and everyone's like, what? Like, tell me more. And I was like, just go ahead and book a call with me on our website. Like I'll, I'll spend 30 minutes with you. You know what I mean? Like that's really, I think the first step, like ask somebody and you guys yeah. can reach anyone. I'm, I'm always telling people reach out to me. I'm super busy, especially right this minute, but book a call with me on my website. I will sit there. I will talk you through what I did, the steps that I took, who I connected with and kind of how I got it started. And that's really the big first deal is connecting with people who have done it and who you can learn from. And that's the scary thing sometimes is like kind of being vulnerable and saying, this is something I want to do. Um, but there's plenty of people around that are willing to help you and guide you in it. I think that's a big, big deal. Yeah. What do you say? So um, moving into like the school choice and kind of education policy conversation, because you operate pretty much, not pretty much, all of the schools that are owned or founded by any person, black or white or Hispanic or Asian, are schools of choice because we can't right. own a public, a traditional district public school, but you right. can own a micro school, virtual school, charter school, 
private right. school, whatever. And so what do you say to those that about school choice and those specifically who say, oh, school choice is racist? Oh, <laughs> I heard that one. I was like waiting for the question. I'm like, where's she like trying to see like where you're going with it? So I can't prepare. Um, I didn't see that one coming. Um, but no, I, but I've heard that, of course. I mean, I think like, I wish that the schools were serving my students. I wish that the schools were serving my kids. I wish that the schools weren't racist, I think is my best option to say. You know what I mean? Like if the schools weren't racist, then I wouldn't need a choice. Like I would not need to make this choice, I think was the big deal. Like the biggest thing, even with my own kid, it was like, we, everybody wanted to go to the white school when he was hitting kindergarten. Everybody was like, I want why? Because they have the highest test scores, why? You know what I mean? Because it's an A school, why? You know what I mean? Like, why is that the, why are we looking at that? You know what I mean? But that's where everybody wants to go. So I understand that that's, you know what I mean? That's school choice. People are trying to get reassigned into these schools that are white. And I was like, or predominantly white. And that's not a bad thing, but I was really like, why do we want to do this? Why are we doing this with our students? Why are we trying to put them into an environment that is not for them anyway, and that they don't do well in? Because generally the students of color in those schools are all on special needs or they are looked yeah. at as, you yeah. know what I mean? And that's not a problem either, but that's what they do with the kids that are brown and black, generally speaking. So um, when they say school choice in itself is racist, I understand always taking money from the schools, from the public schools, but unfortunately the public schools are not serving our students the way that we want them served. So until that's happening, unfortunately, I always tell people, I really do believe that the money should follow the child. I really do believe that whatever best decision needs to be made for that child should be in the hands of generally the parents who generally want the best for their students. Um, and if that's the public school, great. If it's not, then I should be able to take that and go where I need to go. And hopefully the public schools can grow and do like every single other business, even though they're not like a business business, has to do grow, evolve, learn, and hopefully can change the way and, and start to service the community that needs to be serviced. Exactly. And I, I definitely agree. And especially when we're talking about this space of like innovation and right. school formation, like for people to form schools, like there needs to be some capital and for the traditional system to sit on on average $15,000 per kid and not pump out the same results as a homeschool parent could right. if they educated their, their kids at home. It's not right. fair. Like you think right. about, you know, parents who are educating their kids at home and they don't oh, get zero. any assistance. Right. It, nothing right and if they went to a traditional public school they get fifteen thousand dollars like what and they can graduate right. they can graduate their students send their kids to college and right. and develop a a safe a wonderful human being like right. how how can we make it more equitable where it's not a p political matter it's just right. sure kids get the funding right. that they already pay right. like it's not like absolutely i think that's a fair and I know a lot of people don't agree with that. And I'm always like kind of vocal about it too, because I remember being that parent who was a, on a one income, you know what I mean? And that's a lot of homeschool parents that I know. And then the moms start feeling like they can't afford it. And now I have to send my job at school. And I'm like, that's not fair. You know what I mean? Like they want to do these enrichment activities and they can't afford it. So now it becomes really inequitable because who can afford it? The people who have two incomes or the people who has that generational wealth that they were 
given and that's a whole nother topic, but now they have the funding to get this, to personalize their child's education. And I don't because I'm a single income and for whatever reason, I should be able to have access to that those funds, at least some of those funds. Yeah, at um, least some, right? Right, give me some. <laughs> like, um, But yeah, I understand. I understand both sides, but I definitely am still for the side of the money following the child, at least some of it. Yeah, so what, I mean, you just kind of said your political, I was going to ask you as policy proposal, what would you kind of just said in money following the kid? But I'll ask yeah. anyway, if there's some other innovation in the in the mix, but what policy or what's something that you think could be done um, to make it easier for educators and school founders um, to, to launch schools, to continue to- Money. <laughs> Money. Um, I know, like, it's like, it shouldn't be about that. Like, it really shouldn't be about that. But that's the, the world that we live in, right? Um, so the financials, I think, really need to be in place. I think teachers need to be paid what they're, um, not necessarily what they're worth, but what they're, the value that they're given um, so that they can live in this world and live, com and live comfortably. So I think money is a big part of making sure that um, families get what they need and make sure that students really get what they need. Unfortunately, that's what it's going to take is that money going with the child. I think that's a big part of policy. I think that if school founders really want to launch schools, I think that a bunch of them would if they knew that they could have the funding. You know what I mean? Like if they had that funding, if you said, hey, like you're an amazing teacher and I know you want to start your own school, here's $50,000. I think that people can make that work and go really, really far. And it would be a lot less scary. And I think that those kids would do amazing because I see what some teachers do in classrooms. Yeah. And I know that they could take yeah. that and do that. You know what I mean? And make something amazing with that. Seriously, I've seen, I remember um, being in school and my teachers would cut up paper, that construction paper and make big right. murals and monkeys right. pretty much right. across the It's like, no, teachers are very innovative and will make a, like the, like the, the black mama make a little bit <laughs> of one way. I was just about to say that. For real. For real, though. They oh, know I how to that. do it. Yep. Teachers are so, teachers rock, man. They are okay. teachers rock. Um, so I know a shout out to your group. <laughs> oh no, it's I know black teachers rock. Yeah, I say that a lot. So yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, as we get to a close, and again for all of those listening, this is Miss Iman, founder of Kind Academy in Fort Lauderdale, um, a micro school. And she's doing such amazing work. Um, and I'm just a big fan of all of our Black-owned school founders and so happy to be joined with Miss Aman today. Um, when you think about your future, what's anything new on the horizon? Um, anything new that you're mulling over? Yeah. Oh, man. I know. Isn't that crazy? Like, I feel like I've hit so many goals and there's still like, I'm, I have big, scary dreams, I guess is what you call them. Um, but yeah, no, I really, right now we're doing the virtual school and we just started like, really like having kids. I've hired a bunch of teachers and they're like teaching and this was their first week and that was scary. Um, like having, like hiring teachers. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm more like an admin now, kind of, I get to teach still, but, um, that's a big scary thing that happened. Um, and then mulling over, like I really do. And I said this to you earlier and I think that, um, I hope that teachers know, um, I really want to help other teachers start start their own micro schools. That's really kind of my next, I think, big thing is consulting with teachers and coaching them and reminding them. I coach a lot of homeschool parents and it's very similar, like homeschooling and running a business and things like that. And a lot of my homeschooling parents want to start schools. So um, I really want to start some what I'm calling black owned micro schools or bombs or BIPOC owned oh, micro schools. Oh, I love it. Bombs oh. or, or um, 
bomb or black owned school solutions boss. I was telling yeah. my husband, he's like, yeah, that's so cool. So I got to pick between those two names. Um, but that's my next, I think, or our next big thing after Kind Academy. Hopefully, Kind Academy is making those like into um, not necessarily a franchise type type model. Um, but what we do is very uh, easy to recreate, I think. And I think that giving um, giving black owned schools, especially that that template and that um, basically giving them that step so that they don't have to stress about every little thing. I can help them yeah. with the curriculum. I can help you with all that stuff. Yeah. So hopefully that that's kind of the next five years, oh, I think. I love it. <laughs> Uh, it's so great. Yeah, such a need, you know. And I'll, I'll, um, many people who you know listen to the channel, you guys have probably heard many of these black-owned school founders talk about their, you know, chronic creation process and how they've maturated throughout the the um throughout them being founded. And many of them have those same uh struggles, I would say, or challenges of they all kind of struggled along and fumbled oh, yeah, through the creation process. And how amazing would it be if boss or bomb or whatever <laughs> you to call it was around during this and right. how many more um I think about HBCU students who are you know in the colleges of education and they're thinking about oh I want to be a teacher like actually handing them something that's saying you can be a teacher. Yes. You know, you can be a founder, you can found right. a school. And so I right. think that's so amazing. Please keep keep us updated um, so we I can will. promote it and do, uh, <laughs> you know, promote that because I believe it's so great. Um, last question, any books or resources that's helpful, <laughs> uh, to you that you wanna leave out in the, in the world? Oh man, well, that's a tough one. There's so many good ones. Oh man, I, I, mm. I mean, our philosophy is very much like conscious discipline and things like that. So I have to kind of shout out like Dr. Becky Bailey. Um, that's a hard question. There's so many, so many good ones. Um, African-Americans, why we homeschool? Like, although it's not like a, like running, like homeschooling is so like, there's so many like intersections of like homeschooling and like owning your own co-op and things like that. So I would say probably about that. Awesome. <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, why we homeschool is a really big one, um, by, by Dr. Shiva Quinn. She's amazing. She's, uh, was like my, and still is, um, like somebody I look up to in like running a business and being an entrepreneur is what we call it. Um, it's so hard. You are a badass by Jensen Ciro is amazing. <laughs> like that's for days jump by Steve Harvey for days that you're like, I can't do this. Hey, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like all the books that kind of like made me uh, here today. Those are kind of the ones in the E-Myth. My cousin told me to read that one. And I was like, oh man, like that reminded me of like what it means to like run a business period effectively. Oh, I got a ton. Like my book, Black History from a Decolonized Perspective. I have to shout out my own book. <laughs> like um, That's on Amazon. And uh, I think that's it. I can't really... I feel like really, like I would have wrote that one down. I think you did say we were going to ask that one, but I really can't think of many more off the top of my head um, right now. Uh, any other questions? <laughs> I can keep thinking if you need me to. Oh, wait. Hello, hello. Can you hear yeah, me? Yeah, can you hear me? I, oh, can, okay. I can hear you now. Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, so, that's yeah. like amazing normally i'm like oh people struggle through at least one like oh you should go and get some of these books yeah yeah no i have a bunch like i can literally like i'm like looking over like to see what else i have 
Um, but no, there there are stamped right now is amazing that I'm reading that just kind of is really, really cool for like history buffs. If you like history, Lies My Teacher Told Me is another really great one. Um, a Young People's History of the United States. Like those are all kind of books that I've read that kind of helped me to formulate like my like history curriculum. Um, yeah. And that's something that I think everyone should read. Like those are books that I think everyone white and black teachers should read before they start anything <laughs> like. Um, but that's it that I could think of right now. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Miss Amon um, at Kind Academy in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, yeah. This is our episode of Black Owned Schools Tour. Mm -hmm.